How's it going, everyone? Adam here. It is 8.21 p.m. on Saturday evening. Everything kind of got derailed because of uh, just Mama was not feeling good today. Uh, had to do a lot of dad duties. Our regular recording time got uh, pushed back. But because of that, we have a guest today. Hey, you might remember me from a couple of episodes back. It's uh, Brett here joining Adam in Tennessee permanently now. That's about time you came back. Where were you going, like three years? Yeah, about. Well, you know who won't leave you for three years is our sponsor over at InkGaming.com. If you check them out, you can use the promo code CCMTG10 at checkout. Get 10% off your order. Get all the sweet, sweet accessory loot you need to decorate your gaming space. Uh, and while you're on, while you're surfing the web, check out the the network, ConstructedCriticism.com. Got a lot of great stuff going on over there. Do it, 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 do it. And we have a very special announcement regarding the Patreon this week because we have a new patron. Welcome Jamie Gorton to the Homeward Pathfinders family. Uh, I really appreciate the, the support. Uh, it was, it's my favorite email to get, and I've only gotten it twice. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, someone letting me know they like what I'm doing enough to want to help me keep doing it. It's really exciting. For those who don't know, show's always going to be free, but if you like what I'm doing enough to feel like you want to help me keep doing it, feel free to chip in. Uh, I, I will do my best to make it worth your while. So that out of the way, uh, let's go into our first segment, which is while we were away. So while we were away, Modern is under siege by a brand new, old <laughs> deck menace. Uh, it's it's almost like Graveyard Mechanics are busted or something. It's like free spells are really good. Yeah, it's, it, who would have ever thought having your graveyard be an, but sorry, be an extension of your hand would be a bad thing. Or alternately a hand you could just fill up really fast and oh, then exactly. have access to over the course of the game. Unless you're Jimmy Wong. Oh, sorry, Jimmy, if you're listening to this. I doubt it, but hey. I, I, I severely doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, if you've not seen that episode of Command Night, uh, or Command Zone, Command Nights, whatever Game the... Nights. Game, Game Nights. Nights. That's we'll get it. there. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we're going to get there. Uh, if you haven't seen that episode, uh, go check it out. It's a really good episode, and uh, Jimmy completely botches his Hermit Druid. <laughs> it's more deranged Hermit, less Hermit Druid. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just mean in terms of... I'm sure what he tried to do with it. Um, also, we have Mythic Championship 3, I believe, coming up in a week. It is the first arena-only Mythic Championship. Oh, cool. So That's pretty sweet. Still haven't made it around to playing arena yet, but that's just because I'm on a Mac and not a PC. And don't want to spend the 20 bucks a month for that thing I sent you the link about. Yeah, that's true. I, I can understand that. I'm hemorrhaging money right now with the move. Yeah. They're, they're moving from South Carolina back to Tennessee, and that's a lot of it's money. Literally a sixth of the way across the country. Yeah. So I, I can understand not wanting to... Uh, you know, this whole this whole episode is going to be about avoiding unnecessary expense. Yeah, so exactly. It's like a, it's it's like a, a big deal. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's 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 trimming the fat and getting right to the meat. Essentially. Ah, it's funny because of what I do for a living. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, not a whole lot going on in the in the 
the community right now uh, standards in a pretty good spot unless you're not a fan of planeswalkers and modern I mean we're gonna have to do something about this Hogok deck all I have to say is I for one recommend I for one welcome our necropolis overlord of course you do <laughs> no there's, but a, there's a boot over there in the corner that needs licking come on <laughs> no but, but seriously he he uh uh what was I talking to you about earlier it was um for for you Star Wars fans out there, I was like, he's kind of like the Anakin Skywalker of modern. You were the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> you were supposed to bring balance to modern, not destroy it. <laughs> I mean, to a degree, you were supposed to destroy the brokenness, not join it. <laughs> <laughs> to a degree, wizards, uh, you know, Watsy, you guys did pretty good with balancing out modern. You made it so only one deck thrives. Way to go. Thumbs you up. Done, Two massive great. thumbs up. I uh, There's a big reason why I sold out of some of my modern staples this week, and it has a lot to do with just the direction of the format as a whole. But that's going to be a whole other episode some other time. So as we transition from our first derailment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, by the way, if you don't know uh, from the previous episode I was on, there's probably going to be a lot of derailing. We're just going to start putting a counter at the end of the episode. <laughs> How many times have we had to get back on this track? So uh, we're going to move from our, our, while we were away, we're going to go into our main topic this week, which is the rules of card acquisition. And if you understand the reference that I'm making there, bonus points to you, please shout yourself out so I can give you a virtual hug. Uh because card is in parentheses in the title if you're if you're if you're listening on a medium that doesn't let you see the title completely so it's you know rules of acquisition anyone we'll, we'll get there uh, and it's kind of the the system that I've settled into playing magic since I started back in 2016 that has afforded me the ability to play without actually spending lots and lots and lots of money <laughs> yeah and it's not like building jank budget decks and going 2-2 at FNM and collecting my one pack and going home. It's like trying to build the best deck that I possibly can that can compete, that can, you know, give results for what I want, grow the collection, and go from there. So the first kind of rule I would put forth is to get your singles first before you worry about trying to crack pop. Crack packs, crack boxes. And there's a good reason for that. The EV on a box, I mean, regardless of, of what you're buying, what box you're buying, there is literal zero guarantee that you are going to get the cards you need. You will get several cards you want. There's a good chance you'll get a lot of the commons and uncommons you want. But when you factor in box prices and then having to turn around and still have to acquire cards you need. Like the, the capital gain versus capital lost here is not what you want. Like it's gonna be cheaper a massive amount of the time to just get the cards you need instead of buying boxes. The only, the only place, the only caveat to that is if you already have everything you might need, like, if you've got a deck you just really like, you don't want to buy into a new one. I can understand getting a box to just try to build a collection. Like, if that, if you just have the capital, whether it's trade credit, whether it's, you know, 
uh, prize winnings that you've banked up, if your store allows you to do that, anything like that, like I can understand doing it then, but by and large, I'm not a fan of cracking packs to get cards I want. What do you, what do you think? I agree with you on that one. Um, every time I tend to buy packs, it just always ends up biting me somehow in the end. Like you end I, up with all the copies of Guardian Project, or <laughs> right? Yeah, I always how end up many, with the bulk, the bulk how, rares, and and nothing to show for it. And I've, it's like, okay, I'm just gonna go drop like, you know 100. When bucks we were playing here. Shards of Alara, how many copies of uh, Clarion Ultimatum did we open? Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, that's the story. It's, it's for the him. ultimatum that's so bad you can't even play it in Commander. Yeah, yeah. That's how bad it is. It's it, the ultimatum you can't play in Commander because you have you have to have multiple copies of your cards in your deck. It, yeah, it was terrible, and it's just not good. So, so I agree with you on that pack thing. Like I said, I, I always get burned when I try to buy packs. Um, so I've since made the switch for singles, and it has made playing the game so much easier. Yes, up front. Does it seem like it's not the greatest idea? I mean, if you want to look at it this way, like, yeah, you get, you know, so many cards per pack and you yeah, buy three you're, packs. If you're, looking, here's, at, if here's, you're looking at pure numbers, like number of cards per dollar spent, yeah, it's probably going to be more economical to buy boxes. Right. But 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 kind of keep in mind quality over quantity oh my when God, you go that's, and buy singles. That's, that's, that's usually what I... The I guarantee of getting what you need... Versus the gamble, getting some of what you need, a little of what you want, and a whole bunch of stuff you can't get rid of. I mean, essentially, you're playing the loot crate game. Yeah, and I mean, while lucrative, obviously, um, it's just not a not not a great model for what we do here. Right. So the second kind of rule of acquisition I'd like to bring up is buy for need first when it comes to buying singles, and then if you see something that you want to play that feels like a spec, get it. It feels like something you're going to get in on low and be able to sell high later. Get it. But there's a rule for there. There's like a little caveat to that. And I, I use it. The, the one I'm going to, I'm going to use it to tell a story. The, the story about the, the uh, Lyra Dawnbringers that I pre-ordered for Dominaria. And you oh, know this yeah. story. Yeah. Uh, I had done a trade order to a vendor and I had gotten some store credit built up and I was just going to sit on it until we got pre-orders for Dominaria lined up. And I was going to get all my lands and then I was going to target a handful of staples that I needed from the set because I didn't feel like I needed a lot of cards from the set in order to have a competitive deck. I had at the time Mono Red Aggro. The cards I wanted for Mono Red Aggro were common and uncommon, so they were not going to be anything I needed like really really bad there weren't gonna be anything that i was just gonna have to shell out a ton of credit for so i wanted to just get a few format staples get my lands and just put myself in a good position so that i could play whatever i wanted down the line rather than trying to like buy all the way into something brand new exclusively out of dominaria because by and large there was just nothing there so i i got the pre-order price on lyra dawnbringer from this vendor at I want to say it was like twelve or thirteen yeah. a piece. They were they were not not near the price they eventually hit. Well, by the time I got them, I'm talking I pre-ordered during pre-release week, and then by the time I got them, like a uh, release, you know, they didn't ship until release, and then it was like nearly a week after release, I got them. By the time I got them, they were in the blue white 
Wrath Flash. It was like blue-white historic deck. And they were in a lot of the builds of blue-white control. Either in main deck or in sideboard as a transition to, you know, go big against other creature decks. And, like, she jumped from 12, 13 apiece to, like, 40. Yeah. Overnight. And I I wanted I was just morbidly curious. I wanted to see if the buy list prices had caught up. So I went back to that same vendor and I said, hey, well, well let's check out the buy list. Let's see. Because, you know, everybody else was, was buy listing them at what I had given for them. And I was like, that's okay, but that's not worth getting rid of them for. And then the vendor I'd gotten them from was had turned around and was was buying them back on buy list prices for like forty two. I was like, well, this is happening. And the reason uh, I didn't buy the card because I wanted to spec on it, I didn't buy it because I thought exclusively that the price was too low and I was going to be able to sell out of it really high. I bought the card because I thought it was a really, really, really good magic card that if I got an opportunity to use, I would want to. But then opportunity struck. Then somebody wanted to hand me free money. <laughs> <laughs> so I took it. Right. Uh, because I already had a deck I was comfortable playing. But if I didn't have that deck, I definitely wouldn't have made that move. You know, because the you know the deck that I was close to being able to play with Lyra would have been more powerful than just not having a deck at all. And she was not going to maintain that price forever. You know, little bits and pieces in that regard. Uh but again, you get cards you need, and then if you don't need anything out of a given set, then you can start looking at some specs. But I would make a recommendation if you start looking at specs, make sure it's something you feel comfortable playing. It needs to be a card that if you get it and it never jumps, or even if it plummets, you're perfectly comfortable playing it. Right. Like, what's a no, Scarab God I traded for two of. It's yeah. the same thing. I played the ever-loving crap out of scarab god i never made it on the scarab god hype train that card was so good he was really good so such good. a good card oh uh, but again ironically it was the same vendor i traded for one and had <laughs> another given to me as a thank you for loaning a deck out and same thing happened price spike i said it's not gonna stay here and as much as i love the card the deck I had was good without it, so I just went ahead and moved it for additional capital. But that's, you know, that's going to be the, 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 that ties in next to our, to our next point pretty well. Wise men can hear profit in the wind. Nice. <laughs> I'm going to have so much fun with these. Did you just pull those up while we were talking? Yes, I did. I'm so proud of you right now. <laughs> I'm going to cry. What number is that one? Um, oh my gosh, if you didn't just ask me, um, <laughs> Ferengi rule of acquisition number 22. <laughs> my personal favorite is number three, never spend more for an acquisition than you have to, which, you, which is basically the entire theme of this episode. Absolutely. You should, you should just, you should just rename the episode to Ferengi rule of acquisition number three. <laughs> uh, but it, ironically, our rule of card acquisition number three, this is really good tie-in. <laughs> yeah, so, it is, isn't it? <laughs> uh, collections must be purged regularly. And I'm a person uh, who does not do that, and it shows. Uh, because I currently have seven binders of just unusable stuff. stuff. 
There's that I could a lot turn of into cat cards in that binder, y'all. Yeah. A that lot I could, of almond cat cards in the binder. If if I routinely purged my collection, I could be playing a lot more magic. Let's just put it this way. Yeah. Um, there's also a big like one of those big plastic containers that you get for from Walmart. It's got a couple of the uh two and three row shoe boxes of cards just sitting in it. Mm. Um of just bulk. So commons and uncommons magic cards. Um, and, and I, I i routinely look at these binders and and cards and i think why they have no purpose why they are I just sitting these? here just sitting here taking up space and collecting dust there's somebody out there maybe like a school league or somebody else that might want these that could benefit from these cards yeah so the the first way to turn your collection over in a really meaningful way is unloading bulk yes and that's something that we're going to be doing I don't know how soon, but it's gonna in happen. In the future, yes. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, we we live within a you know a good morning drive to Nashville. Right. I guess it's longer than a morning drive for you. Oh well, yeah, it'd be about from my from where I'm gonna be living. It'd be about four hours. But I w- I'll be I'm I'm a little bit closer to Memphis than than Adam is. I really really wish there was one in Memphis. Yeah, me too. But, there's there's nothing like this in Memphis. I need to like yell at them and get them to build one. Right. Um, uh, but it's a it's a, a used bookstore. I talked about it a little bit in the last episode. Uh, but it's a it's a used books, DVD, music, movies, like used everything. And one of the things they carry is bulk magic. And it's a pretty sweet deal. Uh Far better than any deal I've seen online as far as unloading bulk goes. There's another place in Nashville that also does a very similar deal uh, that I just have not gotten around to trying out yet. It might be where we go if we go this time, honestly. But mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But, it, you know, find a place that will buy your bulk. Even if it's, you know going to an event with a vendor and just setting up the buy order and then not having to pay shipping if you're going there anyway. Like, you know, there's when, when the Memphis Grand Prix, if, if we have another Memphis event this year, if like star city or cool stuff is there, set up a buy order, tell them I'm bringing this many bulk commons and uncommons to the, to the event. Yeah. I'll drop them off. And then you don't have to pay shipping and you can still get like, Five, six, you know, depend on site bulk pricing is generally a little bit better. So you can get like five, six dollars per thousand. Yeah. And just it's not much, but the amount of space you save is not is not nothing. And it's just a little bit more you can put towards cards you do need by getting rid of cards you don't need. So obviously uh donating to your local draft chaff boxes is good. Well yes, yeah, because you're gonna help new players get into the game. Uh you know. Things of that nature, but you know, keep it keep any opportunity you have to just give these these cards away to people. Take it, but if you can't <laughs> literally give them away, something is better than nothing. Right, which and, reminds me of Ferengi rule of acquisition number one hundred. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Let me pull it up. <laughs> which it really is one hundred. Everything that has no owner needs one. That's fair, actually. Yeah. Especially when it comes to comes to this game. Yes, yes. So the way I kind of like you know taking that Ferengi rule of acquisition in mind, the way I, I'm I'm starting to approach the game now is um, 
once I build a deck, that deck owns those cards. Yeah. If I build a cube, that cube owns those cards. Anything not in in a deck or a cube or you know whatever it is that I have, have constructed at that time technically has quote unquote no ownership to anything. Therefore, I am more willing to part with said item. That makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a you know. If they're in something, they're under a contractual obligation, and if they're not, they're just free agents, and whoever wants to make a good bid on them can take a shot. <laughs> Which, <laughs> if sorry. you seriously find another one. <laughs> Which also reminds me of Ferengi rule of acquisition number five. If you can't break a contract, bend it. <laughs> <laughs> so even if it is under ownership of a deck or a... Uh, I'm gonna have to put a disclaimer in the, in the text <laughs> yeah box yeah for this, yeah you're so. gonna you're gonna have if, to pay if Star Trek. If you're not a Star dues. Trek fan, you're gonna have to become one pretty quick. <laughs> oh. um, <laughs> where I'm going with the bend it, the bend it portion is uh, even even if it is a high price item and it, it, it's a deck that's not getting much love, take it apart. Yeah, I did, I just did that with uh, Prosh and Commander. Right. It's a it's a good deck, but I wasn't playing it much. It was, you know, it was not earning its keep, so to speak. I was not getting a lot of enjoyment value out of it. It's a commander deck, so you're never going to get a lot of prize winning out of it. Unless you're playing the Get Wrecked monster, and as I we, lovingly we don't call do him. We do a lot of commander tournaments locally. So. Oh, see, like the area I did, they did commander tournaments every Saturday, and uh, I, I, I've lovingly named my Get Rog monster Get Wrecked monster just That's because, because you did do some wrecking. I did some thing. major was, wrecking with Get Rog. <laughs> like, uh, never lost a game out of, I don't know, I think it was like a 25 man event. You could event. say that uh, everyone loves Hypnotoad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody uh, loves yeah. Hypnotoad. Unloading bulk is the first way to, to help turn your collection over and keep it growing in, in value, help it help it help you. The next way is local trades, helping other players. I have a really simple philosophy when it comes to cards when, I, when I'm trading with local players because it creates a good working relationship with everyone. Cards I need are worth more than cards I don't. Yes. If I really need something, I will take a little bit of a loss on it just to make sure I can get the thing that I need because that thing is more valuable to my magic experience than this card that has a higher dollar amount on it. I like it. You know, it, it, it hurts the end goal a little bit, but not really because it means I get to trade with players more often. Right. And local trading, trading with other players is the best way to, or it's, it's the most cost effective way and it's the best way for building a magic relationship with a community. It keeps the game alive. It's much more valuable than anything else you can do because of the, because of the intangible parts of it. Right. Uh, and then vendor booths at events are a good deal. You know, if you just build up a bunch of stuff over time, can't trade it locally, you don't want to get rid of it at bulk prices, take them with you to an event. Mm -hmm. I, I've, I've witnessed it more than once where somebody just sits down with a binder full of stuff they've stockpiled and they'll walk out with a cool thousand bucks or so. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Actually. Um, there was a guy at uh, Memphis last year, one of the guys in Murray, took giant stack, high-end, like, legacy vintage staples, walked into the event hall at Grand Prix Memphis 2017, 
traded all that stuff in and walked out with a black lotus. Wow. Just traded into a black lotus. <laughs> nice. Like that's that's a down payment on a house he just traded into. Yeah. Yeah. Why well, he he had the mindset of Fergie rule of acquisition number nine one nineteen. Buy, sell, or get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted that lotus. Yeah, he did. And then last but not least is what I end up doing a lot more than I really wish I, I had to, uh, selling online. Selling and or trading online, not through stuff like Puka Trade or any of that nonsense. Yeah, I, I'm don't, way don't. too wary of anything like that. I, I don't know. I don't trust Puka Trade. I don't I've trust I've never used people. it, but it just seems... Yeah, well, yeah, you can't. <laughs> I just don't trust people. So, I mean, I, you know, if I'm doing... At least if I'm doing a trade transaction with a business, I can bend that business over backwards if they screw me. Right. I mean, I mean <laughs> with people... You, you kind of have to follow Ferengi rule of acquisition number 48. The bigger the smile, the sharper the knife. Uh, yeah, that's actually pretty true. So uh, so I, I don't... I have I don't, vivid memories of going to Gen Con in 2011, and one of our local players was up there with us. Yeah. And I had a binder full of cards. I was working for my LGS at the time. Oh, that's when um, that's when Goose sent you up there. Yeah, yeah I got sent... I, I was working for my LGS, and the owner sent me to Gen Con. Coolest boss I've ever had, period, full stop. Nobody else has a chance of ever winning that award. <laughs> uh, but one of the things I had to do while I was there was try to trade and wheel and deal this binder full of cards that he just couldn't move locally. And I had one of our local guys try to give me less than what the vendors were willing to to get those cards for me, knowing that they didn't belong to me. But because it would have been cash, he was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's under the table. It's cash. Yeah. It's okay. It felt sleazy. It felt bad, and I didn't do it. It's okay. It's Art Crawl. It's from Bob's Burgers. Oh, my God. It's Art Crawl. It's Art Crawl, guys. Come on. (laughs) We're getting way off topic. Yeah. It's almost, uh, when you have me on this show, it's almost like a point of pride for me to try to derail this (laughs) as much as I can. But you know, I do a lot of business with uh, the two vendors I do the most with are CoolStuffInc.com and ABUGames.com. And for those of you who are probably local patrons of ABU Games, and I have, I have read all the internet reviews about both of them, I discovered ABU when I was in college at uh, Minot State University in North Dakota. And they were the closest place that I could mail cards to and get get cards back from so that's like where i started that business relationship and it i've never really had a problem with them sometimes the processing is a little sluggish i've I've been i've had card conditions graded maybe a little harsher than i would have liked but i understood them because frankly i had been playing with them and i'd entered them as near mint so what am i gonna do right bust cuss and take their money (laughs) but I do a lot of turnover through those two. The only other one I would highly recommend because they're not just because they're a sponsor of the network and in particular the flagship show on the network, but because every time I've gone and looked at their prices for cards I'm interested in, their prices are at or below TCG player market value. 
So like if we can get a big enough trade order to them, maybe it's going to be worthwhile, even though the dollar amount's not going to be as high. Right. Like the buying power might be there mm-hmm. is uh, Oasis Games in Salt Lake City. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, because we also have promo codes for them, courtesy of Constructed Criticism, that are like really good discounts. So, you know, it's something I'm, I'm interested in trying out in the future, although not currently, because... I, I just there was a fire sale going on on one of the vendors, and I just had to take advantage of it. The number was too great, quite frankly. Number fifty-five. Always sell at the highest possible profit. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that ironically flies in the face of our last point, which is the goal of this process that I go through is sustainability, not necessarily trying to make as much profit as possible which flies in the face of everything you've been talking about over there. Yeah, Mr. Ferengi on the other side of the couch. <laughs> uh, it, uh, the goal is to have magic pay for itself, regardless of what's going on in life. So what I mean by that is, you know, if, I can, if, I'm, if I'm playing on ra- razor-thin margins all the time, that's fine, I can still play. But every once in a while, being able to make an investment, put it up, have something to trade in if things start to go south and I have to liquidate, you know, if I need to, to offload some magic in order to finance something that's going on here at home, whatever's going on, like I want to still be able to play magic no matter what else is going on. That's, that's the goal with this quote-unquote system. Sustainability is more important. The long-term view is more important than the short-term gain. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's, Which uh, is different than a lot of people in the MTG finance community. Yeah, yeah, it's... The, the buyout process is just getting ridiculous. It, it is. It is. It's um, almost to the point. I've, I, I feel like their meetings in these firms are like, okay, we got the reserve list up on the wall. We got three darts. Let's throw a dart at it. Throw three darts sticks, that's and the, the three cards that we're sticking at, we're going to buy out. Yep. <laughs> that's what we're about to do. And then we're going to turn around and resell them at like triple the cost. Like, that's not okay. That's not what I'm here for. That's not what I'm about. Looking at you, Rudy at Alpha Investments. Shut up. <laughs> we don't call people out on this show. No, no, no. He he does have a good channel though. As much as as much as possible, we try not to call people out, unless they're other people on the network, and we're calling them out for their taste in food or something like that. And they send pineapple pizza. <laughs> hey, pineapple deserves deserves a home. On yeah, pizza. but it doesn't have to be on my pizza. Yeah, if you like <laughs> pineapple, man, just enjoy the pineapple. I mean, you you do you. I'm not putting it on mine. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So, um, I felt like this clown show is going on long enough. I, for you. <laughs> I think I I I think that this three ring circus still has a couple more acts left in it. You know. Wow. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure they they enjoy our banter. You well, know, as much as I, I as hope possible. they do. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, you know, usually when I listen to a podcast, I'm just kind of flicking through cards. Or um, for those of you that war game, I, I war game also on the side as well. And uh, usually, I'm painting some of those miniatures as I'm listening to said podcasts or or, or episodes of uh, you know whatever I'm watching on YouTube. So yeah. just it's just kind of like to kill time. Washing dishes, and cleaning up the house, just yeah. headphones on while the vacuum's running. Yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of a it's just kind of a way to kind of defrag and de-stress from oh, the, the day. That's, that's why I love bringing it to people. Right, right. That's right. the whole goal of the podcast is just to help people unwind. 
And then, of course, make some better financial decisions regarding magic and, of course, help them sustain. Well, yes, exactly. That's the end goal of this is to to hopefully find a way to help magic basically pay for itself. Yeah. People like us that don't have lots and lots of disposable income to devote to magic. For those of you who don't know, Brett is a fairly recent addition to the fatherhood community. Yes, about a year now. A little over a year now. And... On top of that, they just moved back. So like, right, so we have like no money anymore. <laughs> so we're we're trying to set up a, a nice like nest egg of store credit for the both of us to just work with what we need. Right, and then if there's any format in particular that that interests us, then we can jump into it. Or if there's any particular deck that if we want to try to get into, need, you know, we're trying right. to prep for. We can just put ourselves in a position to be able to challenge for whatever we need to do. I am going to go back to the booster pack uh, thing. Um, I know we're kind of skipping way back early in the episode, I mean, though. Recaps um, are fun, right? But um, one thing, like, it, don't necessarily go seek out booster packs, but if you do win booster packs and you do not feel like cracking them, you could use them as trades. Oh, yes. That is also a very I good have, way to trade that's people. That's one of my favorite stories, actually. Uh, the... The, the the first local tournament bigger than just an FNM that I won yeah. was New Phyrexia Game Day, where I borrowed a deck because the one I had didn't feel like it was good enough. And the deck I borrowed was something that I had helped design. And I just kind of steamrolled through everybody that I played because this was the tail end of the Callblade format. Oh. And I was playing a blue-black control deck with Jace the Mind Sculptor, Preordained, and everything else killed stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Literally everything else. And like the 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 horror, the fear for that is like Jace or not Jace, the the black removal not being good enough against stuff like you know, sort of feast and famine. If they just get the feast and famine down and strap it up, you can't kill the creature anymore. But that's why we were playing cards like consuming vapors to just edict that creature off the board, gain a bunch of life to offset the pressure. Keep drawing cards with Jace or fate sealing you so you didn't draw relevant cards, and we just kept steamrolling through all of this. And I ended up going, I, I lost one game the entire day in five rounds. Was that no, that wasn't the same one. I was trying to think of when I, when I did my open the vaults nonsense. No, that was so that was uh, that was the box tournament after I'd just gotten back down here. Yeah, that was that was that was that, that was, was complete utter utter nonsense. That's gonna have to be on one of the options for the the deck tech series one of these days. I'm gonna have to remember my list for that, or at least the basis of it and the context of the format. Like that's gonna be a fun one to talk about. It was just pure days. jank, but when it worked, wow. well, it wasn't. No, it was not pure jank. It wasn't. We built that deck with the intent, the the sole intent of just trashing Jund. Uh yeah. We just really wanted to dumpster Jund with that deck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's. I mean, I mean, that was really the only matchup that we were really concerned about. It was just because Jund was everywhere at that time. Yeah, it was Jund and blue white control, and we were like reasonable against blue white and just really good against Jund. Yeah, as for open the vaults, that was by far my favorite deck. But yeah, anyway, the. The booster pack uh, thing. Keep them for trades. If you're not going to trade them, save them from dra- for draft. Yeah. In know. my case, I got that, that tournament I won, the, the turnout wasn't super great, but we still ended up with five rounds. Ended up winning the, winning the event. And my, my prize at the time, because we were kind of tight wad on our, our prize support locally, was a fat pack of New Phyrexia, a pack of sleeves, and a double-sided life counter. Hmm. 
And I turned around and traded all nine of the fat pack booster packs that day. Oh, yeah. I can believe it. Because I was trying to build a deck to build into the sustainable future. And I, that's what I wanted to do. Well, I mean, the best way to kind of look at that, every pack that I see, essentially, has a 25-cent rare in it. Yeah. The pack itself is worth, what, three-ish? Yeah, some odd think, dollars, uh, three fifty some places. I think the math lines up for it to be just a little bit over, it's like over 250 Okay, so th- we'll, we'll say... Like, I know, I know the wholesalers, the the LGSs typically will get them for a box for somewhere around seventy five, huh. depending on what wholesaler you get it from. So, so, so for argument's sake, we'll just we'll just throw out a hard number here. Take I it or leave it. it like three. Treated it like three dollars. You've got a three dollar card with that booster pack, essentially. So, we. Uh, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in using whatever you have in local trades to get what you need. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, if, if if somebody opens that booster pack and they get a foil Urza, well, womp, womp, womp. <laughs> but, oh, no. But, they oh, well, good. they did good. But, I hey, still got what I you still got what you needed out of that end. Don't don't worry about the fear of missing out here. No FOMOs in this house. Exactly. Exactly. Because, uh, because I mean, let's let's be real. Like, if you do... If you do, if you did open that pack, it would have just been some little piddly card nobody cared about anyway. <laughs> you would, you wouldn't have Somehow gotten the, the contents magically changed because it went it, to someone else. Just because it's you, you're not going to get it. That's essentially the mindset that you I mean, have to keep with packs. Like, I've been the one in a group of like five cars driving through a speed trap that got pulled over, even yeah. though all of us were doing way too fast. I'm the one that gets pulled over and gets the ticket. You know, that's my luck. So that's kind of how I treat my luck with booster packs. I don't either. I open a lot of them because I don't need anything in particular out of the set, but I have the capital to do it. Or I just don't open any and make sure I get the cards I need. Right. You know, that's, that's the, the long and short of the rules of card acquisition is don't do anything ridiculous. Right. The, oh. the one Ferengi rule of acquisition I would vehemently disagree with because of this. <laughs> I can't remember what number it is, but the riskier the road, the greater the profit. Don't do that to yourself. Yeah, and believe it or not, I, I was looking at that one just a little bit ago, but I have That's, since closed my phone. But that yes, is, That is not a good one to apply to magic. Yes, uh, 90% of the time you're going to lose out on that risky road. Treat it, treat it, if you want to treat magic like an investment portfolio, don't treat it like the stock market, treat it like bonds. You get into something knowing you're not going to touch it for a few years. Right. You know, but... Please don't do that either. Like, it's just not a good idea <laughs> unless you have lots and lots of money to start with. Right. And, and always obviously remember, my audience, we, we, we don't. And it's not what we're here for. <laughs> and, and, and always remember this too in the back of your mind. 104. Money is never made. It is merely won or lost. Actually, that's pretty good. I like that one. I like that one a lot. Uh, but yeah. So that'll wrap it up. Uh, thanks for sticking around through every single horrific train derailment we went on down this track. By the way, find another one. By the way, <laughs> uh, no, I, I won't put you through through all the Ferengi rules of acquisition, even though you've gone through quite a few of them. Um, but if any of you are 
ever curious, there are 286 of them. Yep. So you do need to check them out because they are hilarious. They really are. Uh, if it, uh, I'm not going to get into like socioeconomic political stances on it, but it it's everything people always assi- uh, always assign to capitalists. But yeah, that's the entire Ferengi culture. It's like money. It is capitalism. Super mega ultra capitalism. <laughs> it is capitalism gone completely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> capitalism is a religion. <laughs> yeah, it's essentially yes. In that culture, it is a religion. I, I absolutely love watching the episodes about the Ferengi though, because it's just so funny. Oh yeah. Ah, uh, so that's going to wrap up the majority of what we're going to talk about today. And uh, unfortunately for you guys, um, I'm a lot closer now, so these can happen more often. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us to where you can find us. So. I am on Twitter. I'm at Homeward Path MTG. I'm on Facebook. My name is Adam Spain. We have a Facebook group set up for the show where Brett can be found. Yes. Uh, yes. The Homeward Pathfinders. We have a Discord for the patrons, which I can actually say is exciting now because there's more than one of those guys. <laughs> uh, and my my favorite segment every week. If you tweet it, I will find a way to read it on the show. Hashtag MTG Dad Jokes. All right. And we've got one this week, but it's a doozy. It begins with, it's at uh, T2TKS, for the those of you who don't know what that means, that's turn two thought, not seer, and... I'm, I'm here for that. Yes. <laughs> but uh, Jason, undying MTG creator, says, I just got back up north from SCG Con. Definitely had to pick up this shirt to represent our Eldrazi overlords, and it's a black shirt with the colorless mana symbol across his chest. And uh, Luke Green, bless you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I legitimately uh, almost died at this comment. Says, you look devoid of all energy. Wasted, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. Mwah, chef's kiss. Chef kiss that one. And then the, the only other thing I wanted to, to bring awareness to of this week is a, is a tweet that I found. It was from CCR Grindcast. Hogok. It says, Dear Dark Lord Hogok, please make Phoenix and Fair Blue Ducks unplayable for exactly one month so I can pick up Scalding Tarns. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Please, if if anything good can come from your tenure of being the format warping, format snapping deck in modern, let it be that. Yes, I really, really want to be able to afford scalding tarns just once in my life. Again. Yes, yes. It still makes me sad. All those cards we didn't keep. Yeah, God. Um, that another thing to keep in the back of your mind. Yeah, that's too. that's something uh, to to. This is the complete. Of- other episode entirely, but we're not going to set you through it again. Don't uh, sell your cards if you take a break. Throw them in a closet. Lock them put in some, a safe. Put some silica gel packets in them to keep the humidity out. Just just store them somewhere. Put because, them up and keep them safe because you will want them again and you are going to be really sad if you don't have them. We have started over from square one at least three times. In my case, it's just 
twice. At least three times for me. Like, well, I've been playing since 97 off yeah. and on throughout the whole time. It was the when you first introduced me, and then I took my break about 2011 going into 2012. And then I started back in 16, and I haven't stopped since. And, and I mean, like, guys, 97 was a long time ago. I was seven years old when that was around. I mean, the, granted, those cards probably weren't in the great, greatest of shape. No. But I look back at some of the yeah, cards I like used that. to own, and I cry. Yeah. Because of, like, how much I would we, have we to pump into We had sets of all those Endicar Fetchlands yes. when, we, when we took our break in 2011. <laughs> yes. Between the both of us, we had a play set of them. Of all of them. Of all of them. And guess who doesn't have play sets of all of them anymore? Also play sets of all the Scars Fastlands, all of which have like tripled in price since they right. that standard. Hang on to your cards. Hang on to your cards. Like if, if you're you not can. gonna if you're not gonna like bulk out sell them, like if it's if it's a matter of hey, I'm tired of magic, just throw them in a closet. If you don't do need yourself the a money favor. right away. <laughs> now, I mean of course if like your whole basement flooded, you know, go ahead and cash out on all of it. Yeah. But if it's a matter of I'm tired of this game for right now, just put them which up. just which you'll, which you'll get them back later. You'll be happy you kept them. Right, right. But that's gonna wrap it up for this week, everybody. Thanks for thanks for sticking with us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lack of a better way of for having me on the show. I look forward to many more of these. As, as do I. These are fun, and especially considering Nick is now moving like three hours away, I'm probably not gonna get to do another one with him for a very long time. Right. So, for those of you who remember the uh, Grand Prix Memphis standard breakdown for this year, my co-host for that one, Nick, is moving away. I'm losing my best magic friend at work, and I, I'm sad. So, you know, everybody, give 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 Nick some love. He he's, he needs it. He's moving on to a big chapter in his life. Uh, he's engaged. He's moving. He's got himself a new job with the degree he finally finished. I'm happy for him. I just wish he would go to the bar. It's like you all over again. <laughs> yeah. Kind of is, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, he may come back. Oh, he's not. I don't know if he's going to come back, but he'll come back and visit. I know he will. Yeah, exactly. But thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, upcoming content. This is going up as soon as we finish recording. Because I, I just let everything get behind schedule today, so there's not even going to be a lot of good time for editing. But this is going up here in a few minutes. Uh, and then tomorrow, Sunday, the what is today? Sunday, the 16th of June, the deck tech video for Blue Black Terramander in Standard will be going up on the YouTube channel. So keep an eye out for that. And I will catch you all next week. I'm going to try to do next week's. I'm going to start doing Monday and Friday. Uh, Deck Tech up on up by Monday morning, podcast episode up by Friday. To just compress the the schedule a little bit, better use my time during the week, and you know make it more effective for y'all. So you know if the podcast episode's up on Friday, you can actually listen to it on your homeward path. Hmm. Like so. Take it easy. We'll catch you next week. Stay safe. Goodbye.